uh, I remember um, realizing uh, I need to walk away uh, and I need to follow what God's going to call me. And, and I'm okay with giving up all of these corporate perks and uh, the excitement that comes with management, consulting, strategy, uh, planning, using technology and whatnot. Um, and um, I haven't looked back since. Talent.com is one of the largest employment search websites globally, operating in 77 countries on a mission to connect the world to work. It is recognized as an online space that makes recruitment and employment accessible to all, from candidates to employers alike. Looking for your next career move? Head on to ph.talent.com now. This podcast is presented by EasyDex Exchange. EasyDex aims to be the easiest to use decentralized finance platform to date. With its superior user experience, coupled with its secure decentralized architecture, the platform allows everyone to easily trade, invest in NFTs, and contribute to the blockchain. Join the growing EasyDex community in Discord now and check out EasyDex.market as well to get started with investing. Hey guys, Lance and Matt here, Project Offbeat. You know the drill, right? We do this podcast to give a platform and a voice to those careers that are often non-corporate, right? So Matt, you know, before we get things started, Matt, how are you doing? I'm doing good. You know, long weekends coming up. I'm so excited to go to the beach. I just want to relax, you know, after a long week, no? And, you know, we're back. We're back with another episode. Uh, of Project Offbeat in this new platform, no Lance. Like, are you excited? Yeah. To use? So I I hope our <laughs> audience, you know, are are seeing this. So to people that tune into YouTube, you could see that we're now using the technology called Streamyard, right? So much better interface, much better lighting, right? So hopefully we can deliver our our shows in a bit better sense, right? Uh, yeah. Uh, by the way, Matt, I just like to shout out our very first donation, right? We started our donation initiative. And yo, somebody actually gave us some donation for the work that we put in, right? So we truly, truly appreciate you guys. If you continue to support us, you like our content, we truly appreciate you uh, donating to us so that we can sustain our work. But anyways, Matt, why don't we get things started? Today, I'm very, very pumped. Um, I guess not a lot of our audience know this, right? But, you know, back when I was a child, I actually wanted to be a motivational speaker, okay? So wow. motivational speaker. I wanna wanna inspire the lives out of people. I wanna deliver speeches that will move lives, right? Uh, although we all know that that didn't happen, right? I'm now. I, although I became a professor in in Ateneo, it it's never too late, Lance. It, it's never too <laughs> late, right? Uh, but yeah, you know why I brought that up is because our guest today, right? Our wonderful guest today is sort of in that manner as well. You know, someone who motivates, someone who you know, picks you up when when the going gets tough, right? Um, and in today's episode, we're featuring an offbeaten career of a pastor or a theologian, right? Maybe a lot of us think that, you know, pastor or theologians are often someone so religious, right? Someone that just um, throws in scriptures here and there, right? But what we don't see, right, are pastors being our emotional outlets as well, right? Whenever we're, we're having a hard time, whenever you want to, Pray for someone in the hospital, right? The pastors are our go-to um, people to go to, right? So basically, that's the career that we want to challenge and, and really discuss today, right? 
And basically, their role is to deliver a message to the general audience, right? And it's something that has to be relevant, right? Something that has to be relevant with the current events, but still grounded, right, in theology or in scriptures, right? You know, our guest today is the senior pastor of Grace Christian Church. Uh, he graduated summa cum laude from Dallas Theological Seminary with a master in theology and was given the prestigious J. Dwight Pentecost Award in Bible Exposition. He has done sermons in almost every place you can imagine. Israel, Jordan, Egypt, Greece, Turkey, Italy, Spain. Oh my God, there's so many. <laughs> the Netherlands, Germany, Austria, and Switzerland. He also was a part of uh, several boards of Christian organizations and NGOs. Without further ado, I want to introduce my favorite pastor, you know, the wonderful and ever eloquent Reverend Stephen Tan. And he joins the Project Offbeat podcast today to talk about the career of being a pastor and theologian and his unconventional path from moving from corporate to theology. Hi, Pastor Stephen. How are you? Hi, Matt and Lance. It's a privilege for me to be here. Thank you for the opportunity to have this uh, medium to share a little bit about my life and um, what I do as a pastor and a theologian. So oh. I'm really kind of psyched and uh, excited to be here. Right. I mean, before we get started, Matt, you know, I, I just want to say that this is also a dream come true. Every Sunday, I listen to Pastor Stephen online, right? <laughs> and now we're in front of him, right? And it's really uh, a great joy to uh, to be with him right now. Uh, you know what, Pastor Stephen, why not? Let's get this started, right? Let's lay right. it all out, right? What does a pastor or a theologian actually do, right? In their career, maybe in a nutshell, can you share to us what, what you guys do? Well, that's a great question. Uh, you know, we do a lot of things, and there's a lot of different types of pastors and a lot of different types of theologians. Uh, like you mentioned, um, uh, a pastor uh, really uh, just means a shepherd, someone who cares for people. Uh, and, and so there's a lot of pastors who who, who just minister and cares for uh, people in their church, even people outside the church, uh, praying with them, counseling them, just being an ear and and and, and coming alongside them uh, in their spiritual journey walk or for their faith walk. And then you get folks uh, who are kind of more academic uh, in, in in academia, uh, where they're teaching the Bible, um, they're on archaeological digs, um, looking at um, biblical artifacts. They're they're studying uh, the scriptures in its original Greek and Hebrew, uh, and and they're teaching you know historical or systematic theology. So it spans from academia all the way to kind of real practical um, care stuff that you have in the traditional pastoral role. And I'm glad that I get a chance to do both because I both teach um, in Bible colleges and in seminaries, and I serve as a lead pastor wow. at Grace Christian Church. So I'm uh, I'm caring for people as well. Awesome. Awesome. Pastor Stephen, uh, maybe a lot of our audience right now might not be like quote unquote believers, right? Or sure. people that maybe are exposed to religion, right? Do you think that these uh, people can also, you know, listen to pastors like you or maybe read up on some theological, um, you know, lessons or sermons? That's a great question. Of course, uh, as a pastor, uh, I believe that uh, the Bible is God's word. I believe uh, the scriptures hold for us uh, the keys uh, to uh, finding our purpose in this life, um, giving us satisfaction and giving us um, uh, not only a purpose, but a, a fulfilling purpose uh, in how we live our life. It answers uh, how we can deal with disappointments and discouragement. So, of course, if people are... Uh, maybe irreligious or not really religious in that sense, uh, absolutely um, uh, reading the scriptures uh, for themselves and having a pastor explain what uh, the Bible says or how to apply it in your life personally um, would be a great benefit 
uh, for people who are maybe in a rut or maybe in a uh, in a part of their life where um, yeah. they're just struggling to find purpose. Yeah, it's so refreshing, right? To to actually see someone talk about picking people up in a rut, right? Because I mean, in our corporate world, we all know that everyone's like so competitive, right? Everyone's like hustling till they till death, right? <laughs> so it's refreshing to have people like Pastor Stephen. Uh, pick us up, right? Pastor Stephen, I guess when I introduced myself to you today, I mentioned that I was raised as a Catholic. So I guess, is there like a big difference between what you do as a pastor, as a, or as a reverend versus, you know, like the, the Catholic counterpart, which is, you know, the priest? What do you have to say about that one? Well, that's a great question. Well, um, if you are a student of church history, uh, you'll know that um, we were all actually part of one uh one church, um, the Catholic yeah. Church, Catholic meaning universal. Of course, there was um, what we call um, the Great Reformation uh, around the 1500s. And what happened was that there was a divergence in theology. Uh, so you had, you know, one stream um, follow uh, the Church of Rome, and they became the Roman Catholics. And you had those who were protesting, and they became the Protestants. Mm -hmm. uh, and um, uh, in your question is, uh, what is the counterpart? So a pastor or um, a reverend, which is only a title. So I prefer Pastor mm -hmm. Steve as uh, as a title. <laughs> um, that's 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 just uh, someone who shepherds, who cares for their local congregation or their church. On the Catholic side, it would be a, a parish priest uh, or um, yeah. uh, or father of some sort. So both play mm -hmm. a very similar role in both uh, teaching the scriptures and also caring for their diocese or their congregation. Uh, pastor Steve, is it okay if you could share to us? Uh, you mentioned so it, uh, it we were all one Catholic church before and we split into different. Why are you a Protestant specifically, right, compared to you being a Catholic or in a different segment? Okay, well, um, you know, I, I, without you know getting into the the, the divide of um, <laughs> Catholics and uh, Protestants, um, the reality is um, uh, you had you know Martin Luther and actually a lot of reformers within the church. Um, realizing that, uh, sadly, uh, there were some abuses in the church. Um, there were deviations from uh, the scriptural text of what was being practiced, um, especially in the practice of indulgences, um, people like John Tetzel and others uh, who were propagating that in the Middle Ages and just really abusing the system. Uh, and so you had a divergent theological path. And so um, the people who left um, the, the church were those who wanted to go back uh, only to the scripture, sola scriptura, uh, only by faith, uh, uh, and so on. And so, um, you know, going back to the scriptures is something that uh, I hold to, and uh, I want to make sure that uh, my uh, my theological framework is mm. about uh, what does the Bible say? Not what man says, not mm. what tradition says, but what does yeah. the Bible say uh, about how we're supposed to express life? That's beautiful. Hello, Lance. I know. Like, I've also seen, like, this historian side to, to Pastor Stephen. I don't know if you see it also. I know. But, uh, I see it, too. I see it, too. Using Martin so, Luther this early yeah, in, the, in the show, right? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and, you know, I, I, didn't, I, I, I didn't grow up loving history, you know, and uh, mm. I don't know if we can get to that. But I've had a very kind of diverse background. I was an engineer, mathematician. My undergraduate life became management consultant, business consultant, and you know, went into theology and, and loved church history. And I kind of grew that to love those things. So, yeah, uh, I've had a kind of very unique off-beaten path sort of winding road to get to this point where I can quote right. Martin Luther and Tetzel and Erasmus and other guys <laughs> like that. <laughs> yeah. 
and, and even in a way you can you can kind of argue that the bible is like this historical you know this historical artifact from from so many years ago and that's why you know maybe all theologians are also historians <laughs> yeah absolutely they have to be um yeah yeah you you got to study history to know how to deal with um even current events nothing is new under the sun honestly speaking mm. um and, yeah. and and human beings uh since their creation uh because of their sin nature because of how they act they're the same whether they live back in uh, the middle ages or whether they live in the 21st century all right so like you know let's let's get to the career part of it you already touched on it a little bit but uh let's just start with like a simple question how long have you been a uh, you know a pastor or a theologian like how long have you been doing this career i've been doing it almost for 20 years uh and uh, i've i've enjoyed the process um uh, you know i've i've enjoyed the fact that i've gotten to work with different age groups and different age uh, segments i kind of started off as a youth pastor working with young people um high school college students i still love doing um uh kind of youth work but of course as i've gotten the older and my position has gotten higher uh <laughs> don't get a chance to do that as much uh but i've gotten a chance to to teach uh, uh to preach all over the world um got in the chance to further my own education so master's doctorate so i'm always wow. a, a learner uh, and i love learning uh, i love uh, engaging the culture so i want to know um what the culture is like so i want to call myself a cultural apologist because i love to know oh. what's happening in the culture so that um <laughs> when i'm speaking or when i'm sharing uh, the truth from the scripture that the application makes sense to the people who are listening to it bringing the truths from scripture to a very present day application so yeah i've been doing that for about 20 years um now wow talk wow. about that's two decades man of doing this right yeah. maybe maybe pastor stevens already in his 1000th lecture even more probably <laughs> maybe i'll stop count <laughs> all right actually pastor stevens full disclosure right so um we have we have an ongoing partnership right now with business world right we're okay. in They told us, okay, could you find us a, a a guest which has the most offbeaten career, right? Coming from a super professional background all the way to a career like a monk or whatnot, right? Immediately, I thought of you, Pastor Stephen, because I do remember listening to your lectures and you were mentioning that you yourself came from the corporate workplace, right? Yeah. Would you be able to share to our audience your story, right? Coming from a corporate background all the way to being a pastor, how how offbeaten can that get, right? Would you be able to share the light to that? I would love to. Uh, you know, and I, I love your um, the podcast being called Offbeat because I think a lot of people's lives don't follow the natural trajectory uh, of of you know deciding by the age of 16 what you're going to major in, uh, what your course will be, and then you'll <laughs> oh, go all the way the rest of your life. Um, I think every opportunity that God takes us to um, shapes who we are and helps us uh, in our uh, careers later on down the road. So, uh, in my undergraduate studies, uh, I thought I was going to be an engineer, so I. I majored in electrical engineering and mathematics in the oh. US. And so uh I enjoyed it the first few years then I kind of grew disillusioned because um I just didn't enjoy it anymore. I, I didn't see myself uh being in a lab coat all day doing, you know, scientific <laughs> work and um I actually worked in some labs, uh, published the paper in IEEE, uh, oh and um you know, was doing research for the US Army for night vision goggles. Wow. So that was all <laughs> undergraduate degree. Oh. Um, so yeah, I know it's 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 crazy, and I thought that I would be doing um, you know uh, science work, uh, but then um, I, I stumbled upon the world of management consultant, 
consulting, mm -hmm. excuse me. Uh, and, you know, I wasn't a business major, but I, I just remember there was uh, someone doing a career um, seminar on management consulting, offering free pizza and college students love free food. So I just kind of <laughs> went in and listened to them. And um, I said, this is really cool. And so I just started interviewing with a bunch of companies. They they gave me an opportunity to interview, whether it's Bain or McKenzie or, um, you know, BGC, Mercer, awesome. you, you know, the, uh, Deloitte, uh, Anderson Consulting back then. Um, and I uh, ended up uh, with Deloitte and Consulting. Uh, and mm. I worked with them as an analyst for a few years. Uh, and I really enjoyed it. You know, this was the days before the uh, dot-com bust. Uh, and uh, the perks were great. Uh, I'll, I'll admit, the perks were great. Um, uh, there would literally be a limo that picks me up from my house, bring me to the oh, airport. And, 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 wow. I mean, you're, you're 21, 22 years old. Um, uh, this is how it was. Um, you know, if we were stationed in, in, a, in a project and it was cheaper to um, fly somewhere else than flying to our home city, which I grew up in Dallas, Texas, uh, and let's say you were stationed in um, or had a project in New York uh, and it was cheaper to fly to London for the weekend, they'd let you do wow. that. So. I'd fly to London one weekend, Paris one weekend, Los Angeles, Chicago, uh, you name it. Uh, and, you know, we we kind of played that game of earning as many miles as we can, enjoying the local perks, uh, excuse me, all the travel perks. So that was my life. I really enjoyed. I really enjoyed uh, uh, in that fast paced world, um, working hard, of course, and helping companies make more money. And so the question always is, you enjoyed all those corporate perks. Um, you enjoyed all those travels. Um, you, you, you know, you, you hobnob with uh, CEOs of companies, Fortune 500 companies. You work with cool projects, cutting edge projects. Why in the world would you go then in the world of being a pastor and a theologian? Um, and that's a great question. Uh, and the reality is what happened was, I knew early on, because I grew up in a Christian family, I knew early on that God was calling me uh, to be a pastor, but I didn't want that. I didn't want to be poor. I didn't want, I didn't want um, the pastor's I get job. You. I knew it's hard. Right? Yeah. And so I wanted to earn lots of money, typical kind of uh, driven young person. Uh, I wanted to make it in the world. And, and what I realized uh, something uh, was this. I realized that apart from a purpose, apart from a spiritual purpose, apart from a God-ordained will for your life, you won't be happy. I'm, I remember I'd be sitting at some of the finest hotels uh, in the world, the Waldorf or wherever in New York, and I would just feel really sad, um, feel as if my life wasn't meaningful. There was no meaning in what I was doing. I was, I was doing amazing projects. Um, it was because I wasn't following what I believe was God's will for my life. I ran away from it. Um, yeah. And uh, I realized I wasn't satisfied. Uh, and why am I putting in all these hours to make money uh, for someone else? It doesn't make any sense. There's no fulfillment. There's no satisfaction. Uh, and so uh, as uh, one of the, the highest utilized consultants uh, uh, in the Texas practice for Deloitte Consulting, uh, I remember um, realizing uh, I need to walk away uh, and I need to follow what God's going to call me. And, and I'm okay with giving up all of these corporate perks and uh, the excitement that comes with management consulting strategy, uh, planning, using technology and whatnot. Um, and um, I haven't looked back since. I remember um, turning in my resignation letter. They were a bit surprised. Uh, they asked me to reconsider. And I said, you know what? Um, I'm going to follow God's leading uh, and went to seminary to study uh, the Bible to become a pastor. Uh, and as I mentioned, I've never looked back. And so that was kind of a winding road. But for me, it was about the fulfillment and the purpose because, you know, people are running to try to get um, up the hill. They're trying to they're trying to see um, to work their way up the corporate ladder. 
And I've been on the top of the corporate ladder. And you know what? I looked around. I saw nothing. And, and so I'm glad that God gave me that perspective early on in wow. life, not working all the way till I'm 60 or 70 and realizing what in the world am I working for? There's no eternal purpose. There's no spiritual significance. There's no um, uh, there's no quality of life. Uh, it doesn't Beautiful. impact money in a way that. Yeah, uh, I feel my life should. Uh, and so falling into God's uh, uh, will just really gave me a joy in my life. And of course, I tell people like Jesus uh, has really radically changed my life yeah. trajectory. Pa Pastor Steve, actually, uh, to your point earlier, you were looking for that fulfillment, right? And in Ateneo, yeah. they always tell us, okay, look for, you know, what makes uh, men for others, you know, helping others. Is that the fulfillment as well that you were eyeing for back then right because i mean working in the corporate world perhaps you could set, uh, do some fulfillment as well like for example you earn a lot of money and then you donate it you give it to charity Absolutely. right what's what is the difference between the fulfillment that you you were looking for in maybe a pastoral or a theological uh background and you know from the corporate ladder and being able to distribute that wealth to a lot of people that's a great question. Now, let me uh, let, let me couch my own life experience by saying this: If God's purpose for you is to be a business leader, if to is to to work in corporate, um, to be successful, and then to help humanity, absolutely. Because if everyone was a pastor or a theologian, uh, we'd all starve. Uh, that's the reality, <laughs> right? So, I mean, uh, there's got to be a balance. My specific call, uh, as uh, God laid in my heart, was to be a pastor. So I was living in disobedience. And that's why I could not find fulfillment in what I was doing, because that wasn't the call for me. No, absolutely. Uh, unfortunately, I wasn't that attuned uh, to the human uh, kind of the, 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 the perspective that, uh, you know, a lot of corporations do great things for the community. Don't get me wrong. You know, it, yeah, it's not right. a corporate monster. But I just was so driven, uh, you know, as in my early 20s. Uh, to just make it on top, you know, it's it's it, you can you can fake uh, being nice, but you're just trying to beat out the next guy because that's the corporate life, right? You know, only a few people get those promotions, only a few people are going to get those high rankings. So yeah, there is that that fulfillment side which can be done. So I think um, if your calling is not to be a pastor, um, but to, to to work in corporate, make sure that you you are able to find. Um, uh, the, the the humanity side of it uh, yeah. to make sure that you're living for a purpose. Of course, I would say uh, from a scriptural perspective to live for God's purpose, to make sure that you've made a decision uh, about your eternal destiny first and foremost, uh, whether you believe in Jesus Christ or not in regards to salvation. And then how then will you live your life? I think those kind of life questions can be answered even in the corporate world. Most you know what, Pastor Stephen? You're the reason why we started Project Off Beat. You're like... <laughs> Uh, like off left. the beaten path, off the beaten oh, path, man. He left. That... He left the corporate world and never looked back. Like we couldn't have Woo! worded it any better, no. And oh my gosh, we we so relate to what you're what you're saying. The politics, the trying to get the next raise, trying to hustle and everything. It's so relatable, and I all the listeners are going to relate to this as well. But uh, you know, you you talked a lot about like uh, you, how you found your calling. You 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 went from Deloitte to going into this pastor, uh, theologian path. What are the questions, I guess, that you asked yourself that landed you towards this path, towards uh, pastor or theologian, you know? That's a great, great question. And, um, yeah. you know, for me, uh, it was to see where I could make uh, the biggest impact the uh, biggest for the Lord, impact. for Christ. Not, you know, not trying mm. to spiritualize, but 
Whereas with my skill sets, and you know, that's a question we ask a corporate all all the time. Where do you take this guy with his skill set and best place him where you can achieve great things? Thanks. I look yeah. at my own self, um, looked at my uh, uh, abilities, talents, uh, uh, or lack of abilities and lack of talent, uh, and, and, and and realized <laughs> that my best fit, my best fit would be uh, in primarily a local church setting. Uh, as a pastor, as a pastor that would teach uh, when the opportunity arises, uh, but not as a full-time professor or teacher. So that landed me um, in a community context uh, of the church because I really feel that the church uh, is kind of the institution uh, within the local community that can impact not only the local community, but also uh, the community that is beyond its sphere of influence. Uh, yeah. So if a local if the local church is making an impact, others will hear about this and they're going to want to know uh, what you're doing right. Uh, and so um, by God's grace, I've had the opportunity to also do things like consulting, helping other churches um, with strategic plans and, and and kind of, you know, bring in some of the old uh, consulting world uh, methodologies wow. and, and wow. businesses to help churches um, uh, see beyond a kind of um, non-spiritual uh issues that they can work on but really the, the central focus is is the church you, you've, you've got to make sure that the church is thriving making an impact doing what god has called it to do and then you're able to do other things like teach because then they they, they their students will want to know what are the practical things you can share from a local church context other churches are wanting to right. know strategic things are you doing so um again it was a strategic decision but also feeling that with my skill sets that's the best place for me uh in that unique call to be in the spiritual world yeah i i would i would just imagine right now pastor steve um you coming from the corporate place and you mentioning the number of people that you can impact right in in your theological career right would you say that coming from a corporate background like yourself are you able to reach corporate audience more than the usual you know because i have to admit right Sometimes I go to church, I'm so excited, and then I hear all of these scriptures, you know, being bombarded to my face, and sometimes I tune out, right? Because in the corporate world, you're you're trained to like, you know, be quick, right? Be 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 agile, right? Deliver your 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 content in in ten minutes, right? And in the church, we we have all of these scriptures, right? Do you think from your corporate background, Pastor Steve, you were a bit more trained to re to reach corporate guys as well? Yeah, it's a, Lance, that's a, very, that's a great uh, question as well, too. I think God has a lot of different types of pastors uh, to reach different types of people, <laughs> right. right? And, and so um, <laughs> no knocking the guys who never worked in corporate. Um, but, you know, I've noticed a lot of the pastors who never worked a day in their life only because, um, you know, they felt the calling early on. They just went to school and whatnot. Um, uh, their, their touch point with reality may not be as, as grounded. Uh, and so, yes, a lot of a lot of business folks have mentioned to me that they they can relate uh, with a lot of the exactly. messages I share exactly. um, because I'm drawing on my corporate background and uh, in, uh, in life experience and, and understanding what it is like to work 80, 90, 100 hours a week um, oh. and, and the pressure. Uh, and, and so I think uh, in that sense, uh, sharing the authentic and the genuine struggles uh, of, uh, of, of, of of a person who is in corporate um, people can relate to it. And and it's kind of nice. I think they they realize that they can talk to someone in their kind of own lingo without having to feel like they've got to speak theological lingo exactly. um, to be able to talk to me. So in that sense, I'm glad God took me on that kind of offbeaten uh, uh, path to be able to 
um, express ideas that would be relatable to folks in the business world. Yeah. Thank you, Deloitte, for the hours <laughs> that you've drilled to <laughs> Pastor Steve uh, in his younger years. Uh, Pastor, I think the next question, uh, you know, everyone sees a pastor every Sunday, one hour, two hour, preaching yeah. a sermon, right? But we'd like to ask you, okay, what is the day-to-day -day life or what is the day-to-day -day process of a pastor in the weekdays, right? Or maybe, obviously, in the weekends, you you shake hands with a lot of people, you you do sermons, right? What about in the weekdays, right? Do, do you just prepare, you know, all in <laughs> for your sermons on Sunday? That's a great. I can only speak to my own life. I don't know what other pastors do. <laughs> um, right. What I love about my job uh, or my career is what I loved about consulting. I love the fact that every day is a new experience, oh. uh, right? Um, consulting, you go from project to project and you experience different things. I love the fact that it's never a dull day in my life. You know, some days um, I'll spend it uh, researching and studying and, and, and preparing for the weekend's message. Um, other days I'm, I'm at a hospital uh, praying with someone and helping them through their uh, life issues. Uh, other times I'm in the most joyful time of their life, whether it's a wedding or um, a child dedication or um, uh, an achievement uh, that they want me to be there. Uh, and, and I love being uh, at those places, both in the sad times and the happy times of uh, my congregants life. Uh, sometimes I'm just meeting people at a coffee shop uh, because they want to talk to me and they uh, they, they want to just kind of pour out uh, their hearts or sometimes they want career advice. Um, and so wow. I'm a career counselor. And so uh, I feel like um, I'm listening and helping them guide uh, their lives, whether some call it a life coach or uh, or just even a counselor, just lending a listening ear. And, and you know, sometimes I'm playing sports and just uh, engaging the culture because <laughs> um, they want to invite the pastor. Uh, like last night, I was at a basketball game because they wanted wow. the pastor there to, to cheer them on. So uh, I love the fact that it's never the same. Uh, uh, I'm learning. I'm I'm experiencing things, and you know, uh, Lance. Maybe you remember. I I love food, so uh, I, <laughs> I I also I also make sure that I have a healthy work-life balance. I I love my family. I want to make sure I spend time with them, and so I want to expose my kids to the food that I love. And so uh, we'll go <laughs> food tasting or whatnot. So um, my day, um, although long, uh, it can be very um, difficult at times because everyone's emotional, spiritual, uh, even personal, physical. Problems are kind of dumped on me. Exactly. Um, I love it. Yeah. I love it because uh, it is a variety. Uh, and uh, I always tell folks, uh, I'm never surprised anymore. I, I literally have heard everything and experienced <laughs> everything in, in life. Um, and, and that's kind of the joy of uh, working in a very diverse uh, congregation um, because people's life experience are so diverse. But, you know, at the end of the day, everyone still comes, uh, comes to a very um, centralized needs uh areas of needs and has kind of centralized uh problems and issues and things they want me to help them with so <clears throat> it's really varied it's it's never the same yeah i guess matt before you take one right i just want to relate to that right because people were asking me uh when i became a professor in ateneo like a few years back right they were asking me why you're still there right you're not earning a lot of money there right compared to your corporate job and then i tell them you know i'm listening to 25 students with various stories, right, every day, and it gets dumped on me, right? I could imagine in your case, Pastor Steve, probably 100 people at minimum in a month, right? So, I mean, I hope you're still okay. I hope you're you're absorbing all of it. Yeah, you know, you, 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 as a pastor, you grow thick skin, or you should grow thick skin. <laughs> you, um, you, and, and you can't personalize every problem 
people ask me, um, how many messages do I get a day? Um, I love social media. I love the <laughs> fact that it's so easy to communicate, but it's also sometimes difficult because whether it's Viber, Messenger, WhatsApp, oh Line, oh or emails, phone calls, I literally get about 300 messages a day. Uh, and um, you just have to answer quickly sometimes. It's fun. I, I, I'm very type A kind of driven type of person. <laughs> so um, I enjoy it. Um, uh, I enjoy that. But sometimes it, it, it does get taxing, but you just have to kind of cope. You kind of cope with it. Uh, and I wake up every morning loving life, uh, getting an opportunity to live for the Lord, um, helping people. Uh, it, it's, it's exciting. That's the dream. You know, that's no surprise here. He's definitely type A. <laughs> <laughs> definitely that. type A corporate professional that, you know, all of the FMCGs, the uh, management consulting firms are looking for. <laughs> so uh, I guess, uh, Pastor Steven, just going to the career part of it. No? Uh, you, you say there's so many, uh, you know, good things that you've got from your corporate background that helped you in your, you know, in your theologian path, in your pastor how to help people, how to plan uh, strategically for the church, right? But I'm sure it wasn't that easy to transition from, you know, <laughs> corporate background with all the benefits, with the with all the pressure. Then you're going to be uh, shifting towards this pastor theologian route. Like, I guess, what made it difficult for you to shift in this career, like coming from a corporate background? Uh, that's a that's a very good question. Uh, let me explain um, uh, kind of a little anecdote, uh, because even as a pastor now, I sometimes struggle. For example, I'll fly back to the U.S. Um, and I'll meet up with my uh, former Deloitte colleagues. And mm -hmm. uh, they're now presidents of corporations. Uh, you know, they're they're senior managers or they're they're senior partners uh, of various consulting firms and whatnot. And I remember distinctly um, being invited uh, by a former colleague of mine to the luxury box uh, at the, the Cowboy Stadium. And so if you're familiar wow. with, you know, luxury boxes of sports stadiums, they are yeah. they're amazing. Um, yeah. And I walked into that place, enjoyed a great game. Uh, I remember the food that was being served there. Um, and I tell this anecdote because I think the hot dog was like $20 for just a regular hot dog. It's a thousand pesos. Um, $20. And I, I whispered over to one of the guys uh, who was serving. I said, this is $20 for a hot dog. You don't get this uh, kind of $5. Golden. He's like, don't worry. Don't worry, sir. If they can afford a luxury box like this, they can afford a $20 hot dog. So uh, I remember walking away thinking, wow, you know, if I not walk away from corporate, I believe that I also can own a luxury box, right? I, I could also <laughs> be a, a president. That's just, you know, uh, the pride in me. And I remember that pride kind of swelling up. And I remember that was one of the reasons why I didn't want to leave the corporate world because there are so many perks um, that come with it uh, and, and a sense of seeing your satisfaction achievement. And I had to catch myself um, when I felt those things. And I said, oh, hang on, hang on. What's important in life? And I think that was a central question, central question for me that allowed me to make that shift um, from the struggles of saying, giving up these things uh, to recognizing, do I really give up something? And of course, I'm going to throw a little uh, religious talk here, but you know, this is what I believe. I believe that Jesus Christ gave his life for me on the cross. Uh, and, and so because he did that, uh, he allowed me to have salvation and eternal life. If that's going to happen, what am I talking about giving up? You know, he gave up his life for me. I'm not giving up anything. And so I have to catch myself and remind myself what's important uh, in this life. Um, and what's important in this life, so I nice. believe, uh, is to live for Christ. Uh, and so that helps me um, 
make this difficult uh, shift so daily nice. because I'll still look back and I wish, you know, I would love to see, um, uh, I would, I, I see this business opportunity, for example, right? That's my consulting right. life kind of clicking back in <laughs> people tell me they're in the business world. You know, I want to interject and say, hey, you know what? There's this niche role you can play. Uh, I see a market, uh, a niche market that you can, you know, grab a market share of. Uh, here's a great opportunity. And that business mind begins to tick. And I said, I can do this. I want to do this. Um, I'm making that much. I can go and do these things and make a lot more. But then I have to catch myself and say, what's important in this life? Uh, what is it I'm giving up? And these are all temporal things um, so nice. in view of the spiritual, eternal things. So that allows me to be able to. To, to manage those disappointments. Uh, and and I, I'll be honest, like, like I said, when, when I'm exposed to those things, I wonder sometimes, what if I didn't leave? So it's a continual struggle, uh, but a reminder uh, about what's yeah. important in life. You know, you Pastor Stephen, you dropped the gun because one of our questions was, say you continue to stay in corporate, what do you feel you would have gained or lost? So okay. I think you encapsulated yeah. your answer perfectly there. Yeah, I think right. it's the ultimate ultimate sacrifice, right? I mean, all of us, we preach about doing sacrifices in life, but that one, oh my God. Like, I, 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 I honestly, me and Matt, I don't think we can do that kind of sacrifice yet, right? <laughs> we, we love the luxuries, like you mentioned, uh, Pastor Steve. I think, first of all, Pastor Steve, kudos to you for taking that step. Uh, hopefully, we also have the, the balls next time to, to take that step next time. I don't know. Now, can I just add this little uh, thing? You know, uh, I you know I often wondered um, what I'd give up. Can I just say this? Uh, the Lord, I think, Lord, you, I would love to travel. I love to eat, and I thought I would miss out on all those things. Ever since I became a pastor, I've done more traveling than I did when I was at the wow. I have wow more amazing more restaurant <laughs> because of the graciousness of other people than I did at Deloitte. The Lord will be no one's debtor. He will make it up to you. Now that that was just uh, that's in my case. Right. Uh, we sacrifice because not to gain anything back, but because of what uh, the Lord Jesus did. But I'm just going to be saying when I look back and I, I think about my life and I say, Lord, I really have not given up anything. Your blessing yeah. in so many different ways outside of kind of monetary blessings um, wow. blows my mind. And, and I've been to countries that I never would have gone to uh, if yeah. I was in That's such a beautiful myth you've broken. Right. Like, you know, hey, pastors live the good life sometimes too, you know? <laughs> pastors, you know, get to travel too, right? So uh, we're happy for you, Pastor Steve, for that Thanks, one. Man. I think the next question, right? Pastor Steve, there's a lot of um, talks about the separation of the church and the state, right? Yes. And similarly, I, I like to attune that to your corporate background, being data-driven, yeah. right? Deloitte, I know that, right? I know that feeling, you got to show the numbers, you know, before you, you are able to propose anything. And then here you are with your pastor and theologian wherein it's grounded on faith. It's grounded on believing on something that you can't see or it's something that's not tangible, right? So here's mm. data and here's faith, right? Pastor Steve, for you, will there really has to be separation between these two aspects in life? Or okay. do you see some intertwining there um, between data and faith, you know, state and the church? <laughs> okay, you bring up uh, two great uh, uh, ideas there. Uh, first of all, I, I barely just just to kind of played out there. I believe strongly in the separation of church and state. Um, I think church history has taught very clearly uh, that um, when you mix politics with church, uh, it never turns out well. 
Uh, and um, I think uh, that not only church history, but the scriptures remind us uh, of that as well, too. Of course, Christians are to engage in politics uh, to affect their culture, uh, but not to mix in that church uh, and state uh, sort of uh, institution. So let me set that aside. But uh, with regards to reason and faith, that's a great question. That is a, that's been kind of a, uh, what is has been a discussion and tension throughout church history. Well, what is the role of reason uh, in faith? Uh, and people like Thomas Aquinas and other theologians have, have kind of wrestled with this. Um, I believe that our faith is not a blind faith. Uh, the scriptures uh, are um, steeped with evidences of facts, uh, whether it's uh, scientific, historical, archaeological, um, and uh, every other evidence that proves in the inerrancy of the scriptures. So if you have an inerrant Bible, if you have an inerrant scripture, Therefore, when you place your faith in what the word of God says, then it is based on data and evidence and things of that nature. Right. So cool. uh, I believe in the Bible. I believe in the Bible by faith. that it is true. Why? Because there's been nothing in the Bible that I have come across that has proven itself wrong, uh, whether it comes in the area of science or the area of history. Now, some people may may challenge me on that, but let me share with you also something. Uh, I, I, I grew up in a Christian home. Uh, but I walked away from the faith for many years because I was a bit disillusioned uh, for various other reasons. So uh, I'm not one of those people that simply believes because someone says, you better believe. Exactly. I went yeah. and my scientific mind mm -hmm. uh, kind of uh, uh, interest uh, peaked and I went and um, I studied uh, science and, and the Bible, history in the Bible. And, and I realized that um, what the Bible speaks about uh, and, and presents itself uh, in terms of uh, historical science or scientific facts matches up perfectly with history and i can go i mean i'm not i don't want to bore your audience with um uh with you know historical for facts but i i mean i just i just came back from the middle east um i was just uh, uh in caesarea maritima in, in in israel and and there for years people said historically they've never found any evidence of pontius pilate's name uh and uh, people said the bible is is you know just uh it's it's myths and and and, and untruths well, guess what? Archaeology uh, a few decades ago found a, a cornerstone uh, or a stone that has the name of Pontius Pilate, which the Bible says uh, is there. Uh, for years, people said uh, the people of Israel were not in Egypt. There are no Egyptian monuments that speak of um, uh, the uh, speak of uh, Israel. Um, just came back from Egypt also, and uh, there in the Egyptian Museum in Cairo, there is an Egypt uh, Israeli steel that speaks of the people of Israel. So, I mean. It's, it's, it's fascinating. It's amazing. It builds your faith because faith is not blind. I believe faith is based on reasons um, and there's enough evidence in the scriptures uh, that speak of the truth of and the veracity of the scripture. So uh, that's a lot. That's, wow. a, that's a mouthful for your question. Yeah. No, but wow. I mean, I, this is the first time I've heard of that perspective, right? I mean, the corporate world will probably look for evidences through the number of people that says they like a product. But yep. here you are telling us, hey, we have a more solid evidence in religion or in faith, the Bible. And it's like this, you know, thousand page book that's filled with all the facts that you need. Right. So, I mean, that's 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 crazy. That's crazy. And, and you know, people call me crazy for believing that the world was created uh, in six literal days. And God was <laughs> on the planet, right? I know a lot of schools teach that's a myth. Um, and I, uh, you know, I'm just going to plug a little bit. I did a, I did a sermon series uh, uh, that's uh, that's a little bit more scientifically attuned. But we looked at Genesis chapters one to eleven, which a lot of people say it's myths. 
and I, I bring in scientific evidences that shows you how uh, the, what the Bible speaks about when the Bible speaks about creation in six uh, literal days uh, uh, that science uh, supports that view. Um, and um, you, you can go check that out. It's, it's a few hours of lectures. But, um, you know, it, it solidifies further in my life that what I'm preaching and teaching um, is not some fanciful myth. It is God's word. It is true. Wow. So I can believe everything about what the Bible has to say. Ganda. Ganda. <laughs> Matt. Wow. You, know, you know, Pastor Sifen, uh, I have something to share with you also because I also came from Egypt recently. Okay. Um, yeah, so actually, you know, just to share, no, that area in Cairo, they call it Coptic Cairo. It's basically a Christian sh- stronghold from the olden times, and it's still preserved until now. And, you know, when you think of Egypt, you don't really think of like, oh, Christianity, right? But I guess when I went there, it was like the first time I researched about the place. You know, it, it's still a, a, a predominantly Muslim country, but, you know, there are still fragments. There's still a lot of, you know, history uh, Christian history at that uh, that was in that area. So, you know, like, it's very interesting. As I said, it goes back to being a historian and <laughs> being a historian theologian, you know what I mean? Pastor Stephen, like, looking at your career path, what brought you to Asia? And uh, I guess why I want to ask that is that, is there a difference in teaching theology or being a pastor in theology uh, in the U.S. or maybe in versus the Asia Pacific, uh, particularly the Philippines. That's a great question. Thank you uh, for asking that. Um, and by the way, just uh, you mentioned a bit uh, about history. Um, I think mm-hmm. part of the consulting training is if you're you're doing management consulting, right? Um, yeah. And you're about to present a methodology to your client. You want to make sure that you've done all the cultural research, right, about the marketplace. And, yeah. and so yeah, you mentioning about going to Egypt and knowing that, you know, 10% are Coptic Christians and they're one of the mm, oldest Christian yeah. groups um, from the days uh, in the early, uh, you know, uh, early uh, foundings of the church where, you know, yeah. you had some strong church. Knowing all of that helps create a, a world perspective uh, that it's full and you fully understand. So, uh, again, um, I think uh, even a pastor with a uh, with a with a with a corporate background um, that, that drive for information and, and understanding the cultural context is important. Um, so to your question about uh, Asia, that's one of the things uh, uh, that has, was a challenge for me because I grew up a, a, in the West. Uh, and uh, my wife is, of course, uh, for those of you who don't know, is uh, Phil Chai from the Philippines. And so uh, I actually uh, vowed, in a sense, would I, I'd never come back to the Philippines uh, or to Asia. <laughs> uh, but then here's the interesting thing. Because of a need, uh, here at a local church, I came back uh, to Grace Christian uh, Church, and the God placed a love for Asia in my heart that wasn't there before. Now, I had to understand the culture, and for me, the culture was so, so different. But then I realized um, the culture wasn't bad. You know, I grew up in a, in a place where, uh, uh, where everyone thought that you know, Asia maybe was one step backwards uh, than, um, than the U.S. or the West. Uh, but I realized uh, that Asia was going to expand and explode. Uh, and that's what happened. And I wanted to be a place where, quote unquote, the action is not only, of course, where God led me here to this place and it grew a love for the people here and the context here. But how strategic now that um, Asia is the place uh, that is growing in dominance around the world. And so the 100 percent. Yeah. Yeah. So my impact here uh, would 
multiply uh, versus being uh, in the exactly. U.S. And, and honestly speaking, uh, there's so many pastors and theologians in the U.S. already. They don't need another guy like me over there. Um, <laughs> but uh, coming over here um, was was something special because there was a huge need here. And that's what missionaries do. Uh, yeah. I'm considered a missionary going to a place where there may not be as many pastors and theologians uh, and, and serving here. So um, there's a difference, uh, I guess, in terms of worldviews and perspective. Uh, but now being here in Asia, uh, you really yeah. see what's happening here. And this is really yeah. the place to be. Plus, I mean, there's there's dim sum here, right? I mean, absolutely, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Just kidding. Yo, Pastor Steve, not to really inflate your ego, but you know that's what I realized as well when listening to your sermons, right? I've listened to a lot of pastors, but the package that you bring in a sermon, wherein it's very theoretically um, framed, right? There's very cool structure. You always have this three or five <laughs> bullet points, right? I see it, and it's flashing yeah, in the screen, right? It's really, yeah, it's very corporate, but hey, you're reaching out to the right people, right? You're reaching out to the people that's often tuning out when they're listening to a mouthful, right? So thank you, thank you, Pastor Steve. Asia needs you, Philippine needs you, we need you here, right? So please continue to do what you do. Thanks for your uh, <laughs> uh, I think, Pastor Steve, I want to, you know, wrap up this, this section, right? We just want a small but also relatively large question. Why do you continue to do this, right? Despite you telling me you get 300 messages in a day, you telling me that you you know there's quite a, such a stressful emotional outlet of everyone, right? Why do you still continue to become a, a pastor and a theologian uh, in, in in your life? That's a wow. That's a that's a profound question. Why do I continue <laughs> to do what I continue to do? Well, I do it um, because I want to serve the Lord, and, and and that's not a religious question. That's not a religious answer. Um, if you know a little bit about my life history, uh, you'll know that God saved my life um, on at least two occasions. Um, I should have died when I was 16. Five of my friends wow, really? did. Yeah. Really? I was in a oh. church van accident where um, I survived, but five of my friends did not survive. Oh. Um, I, could have been, uh, I could have been one of the, the person sitting right next to me in the van, uh, um, perished, uh, went, went to see Jesus at the age of uh, 17. Uh, and so that should have been me at the age of 16, 15. And so I, I realized that my, my, my life and my time is short. And then, of course, uh, another incident, uh, I almost drowned uh, um, on a senior trip doing something really foolish, trying to snorkel, but yet not know how to swim. That's a different story for a different time. Oh, my God. Uh, but, yeah, <laughs> just the stupidity of youth. Um, and uh, so, again, the Lord allowed for a rescue swimmer to be right there, pumped uh, water out of my uh, lungs and chest and uh, saved my life in that sense. So... Uh, I know that life is short, and you know I see it all the time. Uh, being a pastor, um, in, in fact, I just did the uh, funeral or memorial service of someone in their fifties who just passed away. Um, you know, playing sports, uh, and, and so I see it all the time. I do what I do because I feel it is a calling from the Lord um, to be faithful to the work He has given you uh, until such time He calls you home. I've got all eternity relaxed. I've got all eternity to enjoy um, resting. Uh, as the book of Hebrews tells us, but until my time is over, until I see Jesus, I want to live a life that's faithful and pleasing to him, to give glory to him. Uh, and so that's why I do what I do. Uh, and um, I need to maintain a work-life balance because that's also a testimony, but that that's what drives me. That's what motivates me. That's what continues uh, to challenge me to be the pastor um, that God has called me to be, uh, to, to teach the scriptures, 
even though it's tiring sometimes at night. Uh, but I do it because I want to be faithful because God has given me a second, third, fourth, fifth chance. So many chances in life um, to, to live this life for him. Yeah, that's that's so nice because I feel like I do remember there was this time where people would ask, why didn't just God give us all immortality, right? Mm -hmm. That way, you know, but then yeah. with immortality, you'll never treasure each day that you live. You know, the brittleness of life makes you realize that, right? So Absolutely. Pastor Steve, I mean, that's such a beautiful way of, you know, rooting your why in the brittleness of every day, right? So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for yeah. sharing that. Picture this, two guys talking about true crime, weird mysteries, horror stories, but the conversation is light, mostly funny, and sometimes naughty. This is Cryptolog, a Spotify exclusive. I'm Gideon, and I'm Glenn, and we're serving huge portions of horror and true crime twice a week. We'll make sure your cravings are satisfied, and, and you'll be begging for more. Char. Char. <laughs> Check us out. This, this is, is Cryptolog, available, available exclusively on Spotify. Spotify. Um, I think Pastor Steve, so this part is basically for our audience, just in case anyone wants to become a pastor or a theologian like yourself, right? How does one get started, right? Do, do you think that they have to drop their, their day job? You know, you think it's a full-time thing? You think it's a part-time thing? How do you get started with something so profound like, you know, being a pastor? Well, that's a great question. Um, I, I, of course, encourage you to be a part of your local uh community, church community, if you're Protestant, to be part of your diocese, uh, if you are Catholic, um, to get to, to get uh, involved in kind of the, the spiritual community that uh, is around your neighborhood. Now, if you want to be specifically uh, in this role, uh, well, if you want to go to the world of academics, you would go to a seminary uh, or a university and, you know, you, you'd study theology yeah. or the Bible. Um, there are specific, uh, you know, Bible schools that will train you to be a pastor. Uh, training is important. Um, you know, volunteering at a local church. Uh, and, and you're right. Uh, you can either be full-time or part-time in the sense that as you volunteer or work at the church uh, or other Christian ministries, um, it can be a full-time, part-time job. Uh, a lot of people study at nights. Uh, uh, yeah. I would encourage people who want to uh, go into this kind of field or profession to really know the Bible, right? Uh, that's, that's the source of our moral truth and authority, absolute truth and authority. So you should know the Bible, read it, uh, you can uh, begin by that and cultivating the spiritual disciplines of prayer um, and um, uh, and spending time with uh, the Lord in his word, uh, meditating, thinking through um, what life uh, questions that you may have and, and how God has worked uh, in your life. So uh, a lot of different ways to enter uh, kind of this uh, spiritual realm, uh, but um, I hope that helps uh, give you a little yeah. bit of a, a starter how to get into this. Pastor Steve, are are we are? Do you have any suggestions on people to listen to, or maybe is there courses to to look at in online, or maybe videos to look online? Yeah, um, you know, there's people a lot to follow. Of, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, you know, there's a lot of great churches out there. Uh, of course, I would always caution our folks to make sure that uh, it's not a cult you're joining, um, because um, I want people about YouTube sometimes because if people aren't discerning, <laughs> um, there's a lot of. There's a lot of great stuff out there, but for sure, 
out there. Yeah. Um, you know, I would just make sure that um, uh, there's a lot of podcasts out there from great pastors. Um, uh, some of my favorites are, you know, Chip Ingram, um, uh, Tony Evans, uh, Chuck Swindoll, uh, David Jeremiah. Those guys are solid teachers uh, that I, I listen to for my spiritual feeding. Um, but there's a lot of local guys here in the Philippines uh, and around Asia that are great biblical uh, preachers. Make sure they preach in the Bible. Make sure they're not focusing um, their message on about themselves, uh, yeah. trying yeah. to you know empower themselves. Or uh, uh, sadly, a lot of pastors who um, who I use the word pastors very lightly, but they're trying to enrich themselves uh, in this as well too. So be careful uh, about um, uh, using discernment, uh, whether on the internet or YouTube or Facebook or. Uh, anything out there this is just a casual question but off the top of your head uh do you have any favorite bible verses that you always look to oh wow (laughs) it's funny because um i've always i always kind of hated that question because um there's too much right there isn't one verse and you know everyone will quote like their favorite verse or their life verse. I never had one, and I never felt guilty about it because I love the scriptures uh, for it. So I mean, gosh, uh, John three sixteen only because it encapsulates the message of salvation. John five twenty four because it's the assurance of our salvation that says that we don't lose our salvation. Um, yeah. uh, Romans six twenty three reminds me that um, I deserve death. Um, but God gave me eternal life, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. So lots of great verses out there. Uh, I'm sorry to, to, to not answer your question specifically because uh, I know we shouldn't have we should have favorites, but there's just so many out there uh, that I love. And I want, I want people um, to read the entirety of the scripture uh, and, um, yeah. and, and just love the scripture uh, for the truth that it is. Uh, and yeah. then they can uh, take out the truths uh, of uh, what they want. It's like when you're asking someone, what's your favorite part in a movie? You tell them, okay, here's my favorite part, but you got to really watch everything to really appreciate <laughs> it, right? Uh-huh. You're right, you're right. Great, I love that. Because if you don't know, you might, you know, uh, people, yeah, if you don't know that there was a problem to begin with, then you won't like exactly. the part of the movie where they resolve it. And that's the thing with, 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 with the Bible. I mean, if you don't hear about the sin part, then, then what's the purpose of Jesus dying on the cross for salvation, right? Exactly. So... The entirety of, of God's redemptive plan, I think, is my favorite part, I guess. Uh, Pastor Stephen, this is a question that we try to ask all of our guests. And uh, if you think about it, we all generally come from a cor- kind of corporate background. Uh, everyone's working nine to five. Uh, they're working uh, stressful uh, jobs. They're in technical fields and whatnot. How does listening to a pastor or a theologian today in this episode, how does that kind of like help them in their careers you know what i mean how do they apply theology in their wow. in the wow. marketplace or in their workplace you know what, a, what an insightful wow. question yeah that's a great question i think two things first of all uh, it reminds uh, it reminds our audience that um, there is something bigger than the job that they do right there is a life after this uh the decisions and the life we live today reverberates throughout eternity so um you know be faithful continue to press on I think the second thing is to see your ministry, to see your workplace, to see your profession as your mission, as your ministry, right? Uh, to see that uh, how you interact um, uh, with excellence, uh, the things that you do, how you interact with people uh, who you uh, come in contact with and show love and care. That is your mission, to seeing 
to seeing work and business as an opportunity to share the gospel of Jesus Christ, to live out your faith in a very tangible way. I think those two perspectives uh, will help people who are living kind of in the rat race, living in, in the rut of uh, seeing kind of a job without uh, any possible career growth plans or, or, or having a terrible yeah. boss. It shows them that um, there's more to life, uh, right? Um, their faithfulness, their focus on what they're doing speaks of their testimony for Jesus, but also garners for them eternal rewards. That gives them a heavenly mindset by which to press on. Yeah, that's beautiful. Instead of just looking forward to the weekend, I mean, you can always look forward to the weekend, right? Yeah. But you can always look forward as well to eternity, right? Wow. I mean, hey, I think that that kind of motivated me to to go to work tomorrow <laughs> for, for, for one thing, right? Uh, actually, that's about it, Pastor Steve. Thank okay. you. Thank you so much for taking us off the beaten path. Uh, so, boy. Pastor Steve. Let people know uh, where you are right now and what you're excited about in the next few days. Anything to plug there? Uh, well, um, I'm just here uh, in uh, the Philippines, uh, in Metro Manila. Um, and you can always uh, connect uh, with me uh, through our church's website at www.gccp.org.ph. That's Grace Church Church of the Philippines. Um, I'm on social media, uh, mm -hmm. and you don't have to follow me in that sense, but if you want to shoot me a message... Uh, I'm available on Facebook or you know, Viber or IG or what else. So <laughs> wow. I try to I try to uh, be mainstream with terms of social media. I don't always have a lot of time, but um, there's ways to connect with me. Yeah, after his 300 messages, you know, he'll get back to you after yeah, after that. Pastor <laughs> uh, Steve, we end we end the show always with this question, right? For you, Pastor Steve, what for you is taking the off beaten path? Uh, okay, that's a great question. Uh, for me, taking off the beaten path um, is living a life um, of of excitement every day. You know, waking up oh. and realizing that um, I I want to live for a purpose. Uh, oh. I, I, oh. I I'm engaged. I I I I want to learn. I want to grow. I want to um, I want to experience new things. Um, because when you have that mindset, it will take you. Two beaten, off-beaten path, excuse me, and that sort of uh, uh, that sort of way in, in, in how I'm wired in my DNA has led me to experience uh, um, crazy stuff, going to different countries, uh, eating unique foods, meeting all sorts of people. Um, that uh, I think, uh, even if you're in your local context and can't even fly anywhere else, there's so many people uh, that you can run into. And just kind of an antidote there. I remember seeing in a park somewhere. And just engaging with uh, someone uh, who uh, was an older gentleman, and he lived through World War II. And just to hear his story uh, transported me into another place where it showed the Philippines was uh, what the Philippines was like during World War II. Someone who lived through that. Um, and although you may not have been in that situation, I may not have been in that situation. Boy, that took me to a world that was definitely offbeat. Um, and I love his perspective. So you and I can engage in that sort of uh, uh, offbeat uh, experience every day if we're willing to engage the community in the world in which we live. Beautiful. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Pastor Steve. Everyone, thank you for listening to our show today with Pastor Steven. If you liked our show, follow us well in Facebook, IG, LinkedIn, and YouTube for exclusive content. That's at The Project Offbeat. Everyone, kita kits the next episode, and here's to everyone taking the off the beaten path. Thanks, guys. Nine and Lance, thanks so much.